I'm grateful this morning because on Friday morning, I got a message from my brother, Harold, that his wife, my sister-in-law, Brenda, was in an accident on her job. She drives a 25-seat bus for Vanderbilt Hospital and picking up doctors, patients, taking people throughout the campus there. And while doing her job Friday morning, her bus was hit by another car. And the two drivers who hit the bus tried to get out and run. But thank God, the Vanderbilt police were there. And they were able to make sure those men did not get away. But above all, I'm grateful that my sister-in-law, who was hit, and she's very sore, she's alive. She's alive. And she brought her sore body to come worship Jesus this morning. Brenda, can you just wave your hand? I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. So grateful. I'm also grateful that my sister and my brother in law came back into town. They were here last week for the wedding and uh, they said, We're coming back so we can be here for Juneteenth and they're here. Can y'all love y'all? So grateful. So grateful. I just want them to have some time to themselves because they're always parenting and grandparenting in Maryland. And so they, they, they've been hanging, honeymooning while they've been here. Amen. And I'm grateful for my wife. And just uh, this morning we had an emancipation worship service at Franklin United Methodist Church at 830. And she uh, was on the worship team and she had to be there at seven o'clock this morning. And that's after a long day yesterday and a long week of Juneteenth festivities. And, uh, but, but, but I got to go back to Sunday, babe. Last Sunday when we were able to get that boy married. Amen. I'm grateful, 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 grateful. Y'all, it was stupendous. It was so wonderful to see his friends and Aaron's friends come out and support um, I've done many weddings. I've done some of y'all's weddings. And uh, just to see your son happy. As a parent, that's all you want. You want your kids to be happy, to be at peace, to enjoy the blessings of God. And uh, they flew into Vegas, and then they drove to Arizona. They're there ca canoeing, kayaking. I mean, this girl got my son to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> so uh, you know it's love. You know it's real. Wow. So two down. And we'll see what the Lord does with the other two. Uh, my other daughter so grateful for them. Just want to bless their dad. Man, I got to preach. I got to pull myself together. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It feels good to be loved. I know every father can't say that, but it feels good to be loved. 
Pastor Jerry, I know you know what I'm talking about, man. It just feels good. And uh, yeah, thank you all for coming out for Juneteenth. We started with a mixer on Tuesday. Then here we had uh, a summit that featured Darina and her book. And by the way, Darina is in the Tennessean today, a, a, an article on her. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, Friday, we had the gala. Many of you came out. I was so proud of our church because once they started playing, I, I don't know if it was the wobble or whatever it was, the members of Strong Tower Bible Church were the first people on the dance floor. And I did, again, I was proud, but some of the dips and stuff, I said, Lord, let me cover my face. Y'all look good. We had a great time. Uh, so much fun. And then Saturday was um, the street festival. Again, so many of you came out and served and helped and bought things. Um, man, it was just a great time. And as we were singing today, if God is for us, who can be against us? And as we're having this great moment celebrating Juneteenth, celebrating freedom, celebrating our history as black people in America, yet alone in the city of Franklin, uh, there were some extremists and racists that tried to crash the party. But they could not crash the party because not only was God, as we just sang, encamping around us, but we also had the police department encamping around us and wouldn't let them clowns come down and mess things up. So praise God, praise God. He, he's good, and this morning in the, in the service, the mayor came and the city administrator came and they spoke, and uh, it was just so good to know that we're making progress. Uh, we're not where we want to be, but praise God, we're not where we used to be. And I'm so thankful for Strong Tower because for so many people, they don't get to experience what we live and experience here as a church. And so it was good to see um, that Methodist church uh, look like what I look out to every Sunday. And I pray uh, that they will have more of that. There's a pastor of a church in Hermitage who wants to see his church become more diverse. So another pastor told him, you need to talk to Chris Williamson. He can, you know, give you some help. Uh, all I can do is take him to the book and then just encourage this pastor to say, are you sure this is what you want to do? Because it'll cost you. Um, but the rewards are so worth it. Amen. I want to see things on earth as they're as they are and as they will be in heaven and so yeah 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 praise the lord uh i i have a friend here today he said he was coming is dr vernon whaley here today dr vernon there you are dr vernon can you come up here please i'm sorry to put you on the spot you guys um you guys know that treveca nazarene university has uh, invited me on to be one of their adjunct professors and so I help out with theology and race, but also I'm in a new department called Worship Studies for African American Churches. And this is the dean over that department. And I want him to come say hello to y'all. This is number four. Hey, Doc. I'm sorry, man. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. But say hey to my folks, man. <laughs> And introduce your lovely wife. Yeah, my wife is back here. Her name is Beth. If she would stand, please. And 
We were going to sit in the back so nobody would notice we were here. We've been married 50 years this past Thursday. And thank you for uh, allowing this good man, this pastor, to help us. We were developing a center for African-American worship studies at Trevecca University. In short, here's what we're going to teach. That worship is formational. Worship is transformational. Worship is relational. It's the relationship I have with God and the relationship we have with one another. And that's what this church stands as a testimony for. Relation, relationships are absolutely the, one of the most important things in life. And so God gives us these opportunities to have a relationship with him and a relationship with his people. So it's formational, it's transformational, and it's relational, it's missional, it's taking worship to the nations, and then it's reproducible. And that's what we're doing here. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Dr. Whaley's good friends with my wife's parents also. They go back. I've been trying to invite Dr. Whaley to come. You know, he's been busy teaching Sunday school at his church. I said, Doc, is this a good Sunday to come while I'm teaching? I said, Doc, is this a good Sunday to come? I'm teaching. I said, Doc, um, we're feeding people after church today. Is this a good Sunday to come? He said, oh, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to... Um, the only Italian prophet in the Old Testament. That's Malachi. Would you turn to the book of Malachi? No, Malachi. Turn to the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. And while I have the B3 in my ear, let me talk to the Father. Father, thank you that your name, Father, means source you are the source of all things and you've blessed us to have resources and even as fathers Lord as we try to be a source or a resource in our homes we cannot do it without you we don't want to be fathers who give our children rocks when we should be giving them bread we don't want to give them snakes when we should be giving them fish you teach us how to provide, but you also teach us how to protect. Father God, you also teach us how to be intimate with our family members. So thank you for being our father, for being our example. Thank you for the grace that you bestow on us because we fail every day. Thank you for mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for love that liberates us and sets us free. Thank you for this Juneteenth Sunday. Thank you, Lord, that um, around the country, people are having to deal with this history. And Lord, I pray that they join in on the party with us as far as our emancipation and liberation is concerned. I thank you, God, for what you're up to in this church. Lord, would you not only protect us, would you continue to empower us? Lord, I pray that every blessing you put in our hand, we would not try to take the credit for, or the glory for. God, we give you all the glory and that we will use every resource properly for your kingdom, whether that is people, first and foremost, or material and financial resources, secondly. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth in Strong Tower as it is in heaven. 
Therefore, Lord, protect us from the enemy. But thank you that you gave us the keys of the kingdom to overcome him and unlock the gates by which he's trying to keep people in bondage. Thank you that the gospel we preach is able to set the captive free. Thank you that the gospel we preach is able to give liberty to those who are oppressed. Thank you, Dad. And now, Lord, may the words of my heart and the meditation of my May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yes. This morning, I want to preach something that is not found in the Bible. I hope you'll walk with me. I want to talk about a topic that you will not find in Scripture. And here it is. I want to talk about a topic, an issue, something you'll never see in Scripture, and that is a father apologizing to his children. You won't find it in the Bible. You will not find a father saying to his children, I am sorry. So I just figured, hey man, it it jumped in my spirit while I was praying, Lord, what should I say for Father's Day? And God took me on this journey here to talk about something that is not found in the Bible. Now, just because it's not found in the Bible doesn't mean that it didn't happen in days of antiquity. But as far as we know, Noah did not apologize to his sons for getting drunk. Abraham did not apologize to Ishmael for sending him away. Lot did not apologize to his daughters for offering them sexually to a mob of men. Isaac did not apologize to Esau for giving his birthright to Jacob. Jacob did not apologize to his 11 sons for showing favoritism towards Joseph. You're not going to read about it in the Bible. Saul, King Saul, did not apologize to his son Jonathan for calling him the son of a perverse woman. Jesse did not apologize to David for overlooking him when Samuel came to anoint one of his sons as a king which meant that Jesse did not believe that David was king material and he never apologized to his son as far as we we know. And then David did not apologize to his daughter Tamar after his son Amnon raped her. And David did not apologize to Absalom for being harsh on him after he avenged his sister Tamar. So you won't read of a father saying, I'm sorry. You won't read of a father saying, I apologize to his children in the Bible. Now, ladies, before y'all get a little haughty and before you just kind of get a little proud, you won't read of a mother apologizing to her children in Scripture either. Okay? So why are apologies so important? Why is it important for children, for children to hear their father say, I am sorry? Apologies are important because apologies are the beginning of healing. It's the beginning of healing. An apology can soften the heart 
and change the trajectory. And there's really no wound like the wound of a father. And in this place, we all have had various wounds from our father. Because our fathers are fallen, our fathers are human, our fathers are sinful. Good men, but still fallen, and so therefore they do things that are imperfect. Some of us have fathers who have done things intentionally to hurt us. But nevertheless, we all have wounds from our father, and some of us are still dealing with those wounds today. That's why apologies are important. So today, let me preach on this Father's Day. A message entitled, Fathers Who Are Sorry. Fathers Who Are Sorry. Now, this title has a dual meaning to it. Depending upon how you look at it. Depending upon where you're coming from. That there are fathers who are sorry, and there are fathers who are sorry. You got to interpret it based on your context. (laughs) But why are apologies usually so hard for fathers to give? Can you think of a time when your father apologized to you as a child? Um, We don't read about it again in scripture and a lot of times we don't experience it in life. Why is it so hard I think the first reason it's so hard is because of pride. Because as fathers, we we, we can have good pride and we can have bad pride. And we don't always want to humble ourselves and say that we were wrong. Now, my prayer closet, I said I'm not going to use this illustration because most of the people here won't know it. But here I am opening up my mouth and I'm going to use this illustration. (laughs) Back in the day, I would watch with my family Good Times, and Sanford and Son, and the Jeffersons, all that. But every now and then we would watch WKRP in Cincinnati. We would also watch MASH. We would also watch Laverne and Shirley. Any Laverne and Shirley people in here? But before Laverne and Shirley came on at 8.30, uh, uh, Happy Days, can I get a witness? Happy Days came on at 8. My children have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Happy Days. And uh, the central character of Happy Days was this person called the Fonz. The Fonz. He was cool. He was hip. The Fonz. But the Fonz could never say he was sorry. He could never say he was wrong. The Fonz would never apologize. So much so that whenever he would attempt to say he was wrong, he would stutter. He would say, I was... I'm, he could because he was too cool. He was too much of a man, apparently, as far as distorted thinking of what a man is, that the Fonz could not say, I'm sorry. And we got a lot of fathers like that who cannot say that they are sorry to their children. But I came today on Father's Day. Yeah, we're going to celebrate. We love on you. Gave you a pocket knife with the name Strong Tower written on it. So in case you ever commit a crime with that knife, we're going to have the police call in here. So, so we love on you, we encourage you, but I, we have to also challenge you a little bit today because maybe you need to say you're sorry to your children. It wouldn't be a great day today to say I'm sorry to my own children. Speaking of that, have you ever heard a pastor apologize 
for some reason, men don't, we, we just don't apologize. And I remember um, I've had at least two occasions that come directly to my mind uh, as I've been pastoring now um, this, during this season, where when we were uh, early on as a church, I'm a recovering legalist. I'm still recovering from legalism and Phariseeism. And I remember we had some members in our church who worked with worship ministry, but then they got a national recording deal and they started traveling a whole lot and they would come in, maybe lead worship every now and then, but they spent more time on the road. And so back then my insecurities as a pastor would come out. And, uh, and so I, I made a public statement one day and I named the name of their group that they're always out there, but they're never here at church. Well, that hurt that group immensely. I hurt their feelings that, number one, I said something that was so legalistic, but I put their name out there. But they're doing the Lord's work, but I was so insecure, feeling like you had to be in church if you really love God. No, that's my mess. And it came out of my mouth and I spoke it. And I remember having to apologize to them personally and even publicly because I sinned publicly with my mouth and I apologized. And then probably about six, seven years ago, um, our church was in a near split, had, had some strong demons coming against our church. And man, I remember that season. It was the, probably the hardest season in my life. And I remember getting up and talking to the church doing a meeting. And I said, uh, I want to apologize to you for being weary uh, because I was trying to finish my doctorate. Uh, we were still doing a lot of renovations around here. I was serving as the pastor and the executive at that time. It's not my gifting to be the executive. And so, man, I was worn out. And I remember apologizing for being weary to the church. Um, and I apologized for something else. can't remember what it was, but it, but it was something in that line of being weary. And um, I remember Jonathan Clemens, he and his wife uh, had just started coming to Strong Tower around that time. He reminds me of it every now and then. He said, man, I'm, when I walked in, I didn't know what was going on up in here. The Hatfields and the McCoys, I, I didn't know what was going on. He said, but man, what impressed me and my wife was that you got up and apologized to the church. And so although that was a very humbling moment, apparently God used that to touch him. But pastors need to apologize as well. When's the last time you heard a pastor apologize? When's the last time you heard a police officer apologize for mishandling his or her authority and uh, not executing their authority properly in the way of executing people on the pavement? Uh, 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 when have you ever heard an officer apologize and mean it? When have you ever heard a politician apologize? Uh, when have you heard Bill Lee, the governor, apologize? When have you heard Marsha Blackburn apologize? Uh, some of us might have a heart attack if we ever hear any of them apologize. Have you ever heard a president apologize? Well, in recent history, we know that President Kennedy apologized and President Nixon apologized for Watergate. Reagan apologized. Clinton apologized for all the Monica Lewinsky stuff. President Obama made an apology about the health care, the Obamacare, not going through the way he wanted it to. And so you saw presidents apologize. It was rare. It was rare. It was rare. Um, but to my knowledge, a sitting president excuse me, has never apologized for slavery. To my knowledge, a sitting president has never apologized 
for slavery. If you find it, let me know. I know we apologize to the Japanese, and, and I believe we've apologized to Native Americans, but a sitting president has never apologized for slavery. But I did hear a president apologize for slavery. It just wasn't a U.S. president. This was a president in West Africa. Go back with me to 1999. I've been pastoring for about four years at that time. I was a part of a group called the Empty Hands Fellowship, uh, a multi-generational, uh, denominational, and racial group of pastors who would get together in the city of Franklin. And we would break bread together, get to know one another. We would worship together, serve in the community together, the Empty Hands Fellowship. Well, there was a president who had heard about what was going on with our group. It, it had gone all across the oceans, And so he sent an invitation to us to come to West Africa, to come to Benin, along with other pastors and key figures around the country, which also included my mother-in-law and father-in-law in Virginia. And that president, his name was Matthew Karakou. He was the president of Benin, which is in West Africa, where so many of our ancestors of African origin came from during the slave trade. Some would say 12 million came from West Africa, and Benin was one of the major countries where slaves were sent uh, to America. And so this man, who had recently become a Christian, recently become a disciple of Jesus, he wanted to have the diaspora come back to West Africa, the diaspora, uh, Africans in America, which included myself and Reverend Denson and other uh, uh, Hewitt Sawyers, my, my in-laws. He invited us to come back to Africa so that he could apologize to us for what his fathers did in the slave trade. Because although African, the African kings did not initiate the European slave trade, they participated in it and many of them became wealthy. And so they worked with Europeans in a systematic way in order to capture and break Africans before putting them on slave ships. And so when he invited us over, he wanted to give us a formal apology for what his fathers did uh, in order for us to be in America today as far as the evolution of slavery. And during that time, he showed us how the Africans worked with the Europeans to prepare and break Africans to prepare them to come on slave ships to Europe and to America. Another Sunday, I want to talk about that system. But here's what I also want to say today. Acknowledging the role that Africans played in the slave trade does not absolve Europeans and Americans from the role they played in the slave trade. Because some want to quickly deflect and say, you know, uh, Africans participated. Yeah, they did, but they didn't invent the European or the transatlantic slave trade. They participated for a while until even they were phased out and Europeans and the colonists began to do it on their own on the shores of Africa. Nevertheless, that, that president called us over, taking responsibility like Nehemiah did, confessing the sins of his fathers, conf like Daniel did, confessing the sins of their fathers. He confessed the sins of the fathers in Africa, and he apologized. And there are a couple of pictures, I don't know if you saw them, where I got to meet this man, 
shake his hand, have dinner with him. In the presidential palace, he treated us like kings when we came. Um, it was an emotional experience. That was my first time in Africa, and they, they, they welcomed us so. And there were delegates from European countries who came, and they apologized for their role in the slave trade. Uh, folks from Portugal and from Spain, they came also. Y'all, it was transformative. So the Bible doesn't specifically mention a father apologizing to his children, but it does speak of a father turning to his children, turning. So look at Malachi chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. Malachi says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. He's speaking prophetically. God is speaking through him. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So here you see that Elijah is being prophesied to come. Elijah's ministry had already occurred earlier in the story of the Hebrew people. We come to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament before Matthew kicks off 400 years later, but there's this prophecy to close out the quote-unquote Old Testament, and it speaks of Elijah coming. And this coming of Elijah, this prophetic word, had a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. So a prophetic word, the prophet Elijah is coming. There's a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. Well, the near fulfillment is found in Luke chapter 1. So as I mentioned, there will be 400 years of silence as far as no prophetic word uh, at the closing of Malachi before the coming of Jesus Christ. But before Jesus came, a man by the name of John the Baptist came in order to announce or herald the coming of the Messiah. And in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, the Bible says, But the angel said to him, speaking of Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Elijah, in a primary sense, or the first fulfillment of the word through Malachi, is found in John the Baptist, who is a type or a representative of Elijah the prophet. And when John the Baptist came, his ministry was about turning people, turning them to God and turning them, especially fathers, towards their children. And the way he did that, this ministry of turning, he preached about repentance, repentance. He's preparing the way because the Messiah is coming. So you need to turn back to God. You need to turn back to one another. And fathers need to turn to children. Because when someone special is coming, you want to have things ready for them. If a, a, a delegate 
or someone with high-ranking authority or some, someone who's special came to your house this afternoon, you would want to prepare for them before they come. So you would go and make sure your clean house is even cleaner before this person comes. So as Jesus is on the way, John, preaching in the spirit of Elijah, says, turn, get your houses in order. Because the one coming behind me is really before me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. I'm baptizing you in water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire, speaking of judgment. Get ready, the King of kings, the Lord of lords is coming. And so therefore, before you get your house in order, you got to get your heart right. So turn towards God or turn back to God. His son is coming and turn to one another. Because for some reason, fathers have turned away from their children. Don't know why, but it happens in life. Many of us have gone through it. We don't know why our fathers have turned their backs on us. But when that father hears a word of repentance, that father will turn back to his children. And what I love about this is that children follow the example of the father because the father has the onus on him to turn first. And then the children will turn to the father. Mm -mm -mm. So when the father has an open heart to the children, there's a great chance the children are going to have an open heart to the father. And if they don't, it just takes time. It takes time because, again, there's a wound that caused the child to turn. But the child is under the same preaching of repentance as the father is because we all are under God. And so as we turn to God vertically, spiritually, we will turn to one another horizontally and socially and emotionally. It's simple, but it's difficult. My God. So there's a turning. Now, now we hope that in the midst of the turning, there's some apologizing that happens. Because where would you be today if your father apologized to you for wounding you? See, there's some stuff we don't talk about. We just don't talk about this. But, but where would you be today if your father had apologized for wounding you? And some of us have had fathers go to their graves never apologizing for hurting us. And so in order not to be bound by that, we've had to forgive them even though they never asked for forgiveness. We had to forgive them to make sure that we would be free and not hold a grudge. And so some of us had to do that. We apologized without hearing an apology, or rather we forgave without hearing an apology. And that's that following Jesus stuff. That, that's that walking like Christ stuff. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus gave you that grace with your dad, but where would you be? If you heard your father say, I'm so sorry. Well, for those who are alive, we still have some work to do. So fathers, fathers, myself included, what would it be like if our children heard us say these things? Number one, I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you. I'm so sorry. I spent so much time at work. I wasn't there for you. Um, I'm sorry. I was incarcerated and I wasn't there for you. I wasn't there at those key moments in your life. I'm sorry, I apologize that I was not there for you when you graduated. I'm sorry I wasn't there when you had your first child. I'm sorry I wasn't there when you got married. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my words hurt you. I said some mean and hurtful things to you. 
God has shown me my faults and I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for the tone that I use when I talk to you. I'm sorry for getting angry at you. I'm sorry for exploding and cursing at you and and saying things that wounded your soul. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for withholding affection to you. I didn't hug you. I didn't hold you. I didn't encourage you. I'm sorry for that. Do you know that would go, that would translate into so much healing for a child to hear something like that or to say, I'm sorry for abusing you and giving you improper affection because you have dads who are not giving proper affection, but then you have dads who give improper affection. And some of us, again, have been hurt by our dads. My kids know that I like to watch these behind the scenes things on VH1 about these music groups, how they go from rags to riches to rags and how, you know, they started with nothing. Then they, you know, start playing music and they get the gold records, but they don't earn money. The the music business takes advantage of them. And, And sometimes they'll even go deeper, like with the DeBarge family. Those light-skinned folks in California had all them hits. Uh, man, Elder Bars could hit those high notes. But they did it behind the scenes, and I learned a lot. I learned that they were a Christian family, raised in the church, the sister Bunny and all the brothers, but they got on drugs real bad, each and every one of them. One of them even died from an overdose. One of them, Chico, went to jail. I mean, just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. But then as the show went on, many of the debarged children talked about how their father, who was in the military, not only verbally abused them, but sexually abused them. To the point where the children did not know whether they were attracted to this sex, that sex. They were just confused because of what their dad did to them. So when your father hurts you physically, spiritually, sexually, emotionally, no wonder, it's not a justification, it's a reality, no wonder many of them turn to drug abuse. I don't believe they ever heard an apology from their dad before he died. What about saying, I'm sorry for not loving your mother? I didn't treat your mother right. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry for not listening to you. When you would want to come in and talk, I kept reading the paper or watching television. I just didn't listen to you. I'm sorry for not believing in you. I'm sorry for dashing your dreams. I'm sorry for being unapproachable as your dad. When I would come home from work, I don't want nobody. I just want my food. Leave me alone for being unapproachable. I'm sorry for telling you that boys don't cry. I'm sorry for that. That's a lie because Jesus cried. I'm sorry for abusing alcohol and drugs. I'm so sorry. What if you heard that? Again, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible, but can it be in your house? Can it be in your life? As your heart turns to God and turns to your children, you humble yourself and say, I'm sorry. And then you don't mess up the apology by having an excuse with it. You know, I'm sorry for how I treated you because my daddy mistreated me. Man, hold on, hold on on that. Hold on, go get some counseling for that. Hold on for that. 
Can you just take responsibility for what you did to your children without blame shifting? Uh, just say, I did it. Don't ruin it with an apology. But then we got some other fathers now. Apologizing ain't a problem. It's changing behavior. That's the problem. So you keep saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, you sorry, all right, because you never change. So your apology has no weight or merit on it because they know you just talking. You saying what you think they want to hear, but they need to see some sorry. They need to see repentance. They need to see that you're broken. Father's Day, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. You wanted to wear the big drawers. Well, here it goes. Humble yourself. There are times, man, I will say something to my children, and the Spirit of God, he's so good because he brings convincing of sin. You raised your voice. You, you were not kind to your children. Lord, I got to go and apologize to them. Yes, you do. My children will not go to their grave saying, I never heard my daddy apologize. They've heard dad apologize, and hopefully they've seen a change in dad's actions when they see that his sorrow leads to repentance. Because I'm not perfect. I think I'm a good father, but I'm not a perfect father. And sometimes they catch me, or I'm doing something, and it's wrong. I'm so sorry, children. Man, I got mad with my son because my brother, the whole house sick because of you. You down here coughing, and we go up to your room and cough. He down on the couch talking about his room is hot. So he down there coughing, touching everything. So I'm like, we got sick because you were sick. And the Lord was like, you shouldn't have said that to your son. <laughs> Apologize to your son. Who wants to hear that when you're down? Because we're sick because you're sick. Come on, man, your mouth. That's not a loving thing to say as a father. <laughs> I, I think I got some brothers in here who understand what I'm talking about. I may not have read an example that hits you, but, but, but I know I'm in the neighborhood and, and y'all know what I'm talking about. So, so, so in conclusion, in conclusion, even though we don't see fathers apologizing to their children in scripture, we need to see it in our families. A sorry man is one who chooses to say, I'm sorry. Whereas a sorry man is one who refuses to say, I'm sorry. I just want to know, fathers, which one are you? One who says I'm sorry or one who refuses to say I'm sorry? What kind of sorry man are you? Because that's how we teach our children. Discipleship starts in the home. So as you disciple your children to show them that you can humble yourself under God and before them, you teach them how to do the same. We say to our kids, when you mess up, fess up. But for fathers, we think that that doesn't apply to us for some reason. No, no, no. So that's why if your kids are not turned to you, it may be because you haven't turned to God and then turned to them with a tender heart. Because the Bible does say to us, don't provoke your children to wrath. We have a lot of influence in our homes as dads. Again, we're the source. We're the husband, the house band. The, the house bands around the husband. Won't read of it in the Bible. But man, can we see it in our lives? But I can't leave you guys without some hope. Okay, I've given a challenge, but, but now I got to close with some hope and then we'll go get something good to eat. Because although you don't read of fathers 
apologizing to their children in the Bible, you do read of the father apologizing to his children in the Bible. When I say the father, I'm talking about God, the father, apologized to the southern kingdom of Judah. He apologized. I know what you think. Wait a minute, wait a minute. To apologize means that you did something wrong. For us, it means that. But for God, it doesn't. So I got to close reading you a couple of verses from Jeremiah to see the heart of Father God. Listen to this. Listen to the King James Version from Jeremiah chapter 42, verse 10. Let me give you quick context. Um, The Babylonians have come. They've taken many of the children of Israel back to Babylon as prophesied by Jeremiah because of Israel's disobedience, because of their idolatry. God punished them and they were uprooted from the land, but there were a few that stayed behind, one of them being Jeremiah the prophet who was imprisoned, and, and, but the Babylonians had a liking towards Jeremiah and, and the Babylonians let the poor people stay in the land along with Jeremiah and the Babylonians established a governor there in Judah, but there was a word that God gave to the people, and he says to them, if you will still remain in this land, because many of them were tempted to get up and go to Egypt, again, going back to the place that had them in bondage for 400 years, they they just didn't trust God, and they felt Egypt was the best place to go, and Jeremiah said, speaking as God was speaking through him, if you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. I relent. Somebody said, Pastor, okay, uh, uh, can you break that down some more? Well, let's go to the New Living Translation to see how they translate that word relent. God says, stay here. In this land. If you do, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I am sorry about all the punishment that I have had to bring upon you. Here it is from the contemporary English version, same verse, Jeremiah 42 10. God says, I am sorry that I had to punish you. And so I now tell you to stay here in Judah where I will plant you and build you up instead of tearing you down and uprooting you. So God says to his children, I am sorry. I am sorry. Imagine if you're sitting there and your people have been demolished, the temple has been torn down, the walls have been broken down. Ancestors are in Babylon and God speaks through his prophet and mouthpiece Jeremiah And in the midst of that says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I punished you. Now watch this. It was their sins that caused them to be punished. God never sinned. He's God. He can't sin. But the one who can't sin says, I'm sorry for how I punished you. In other words, I spanked you pretty rough. I spanked you pretty. And I'm sorry. I relent. Have you ever had one of your parents apologize for how they spanked you? (laughs) You deserve the spanking, but they got up into you a little too too much. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Again, this is back in the old days, back in the old days. These days, they want to reason with the children, you know. uh, (laughs) 
I remember the, sin, uh, the, the comedian Sinbad tells a story. He was a preacher's kid and how he would do devious things around the house. Many times, not all the times, but many times it's the preacher's kids that, that are devious. Not my kids, but it's the preacher's kids. And, and so he would put a towel around his neck and try to jump off the roof like he was a superhero. And his mother told him, get down from there, get down from there. And he didn't move fast enough, so she got the belt and she whipped him. And he talks about how she whipped him so hard, she was sitting down next to him. And she said, I'm sorry I had to beat you like that, but you just weren't listening to me. Now pick up your eye and let's go on. <laughs> and that's basically what God is saying. Man, I, I, I. But here's the point. If our God who knows no sin can apologize to a sinful people, fathers, can't we humble ourselves and apologize to our children? That's the message today for Father's Day. Amen. Amen. Well, Sister Viva, would you come and close us in prayer, please? Amen. Yes. Praise praise God. Thank you, Pastor Chris. It is wonderful to be at a, a church home where things are real. You would have you helped accelerate the first few years of therapy if I heard this message 20 years ago. Amen. <laughs> So we are just, we are, we are really grateful for all the wisdom. I hope you guys caught those jewels. And not that you just caught them and saw them today, but we're going to apply them, right? That's what we do at the church is, is apply those principles. So we are about to eat well. We're about to eat good, y'all, okay? So do your stretches and whatnot. You don't have to sprint. There's plenty of food. We're going to have two different lines in the fellowship hall, and there's plenty of seating both indoor and outdoors, okay? So in just a minute, I'm going to go ahead and pray and thank the Lord for the blessing of the provisions he's given us. Um, but after that, we're going to usher ourselves into the fellowship hall and again have two lines and uh, have seating indoors and outdoors. All right. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come together. We thank you for being in a fun place where we can fellowship and we can learn, where we can discuss the failures of the past, dear Lord, but also catch the lessons that we are to apply. We thank you for having us in a place where. We're held accountable for each other, Heavenly Father. And we thank you for just being in a home where we can celebrate and we can collectively be thankful and show gratitude for our both spiritual and physical liberation. We pray and thank you for the provisions that you've, that you've given us, dear Lord. And we thank you for the gift of choice as well, because we know there is an amazing spread. And we thank you for all the hands that prepared us. In Jesus' name, amen. for joining us today at Strong Tower Bible Church where Dr. Chris Williamson is senior pastor. We hope you enjoyed worshiping with us and will join us next Sunday morning right here for our 10.30 a.m. service. Be sure to stay informed on upcoming Strong Tower Bible Church events and activities. Download the Strong Tower Bible Church app in the App Store or visit our website at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com We pray you have a blessed, wonderful and safe remainder of the day and we'll see you next week same time right here at the tower